You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, Monday edition. Matt and I breaking down everything we saw from the Sunday NFL schedule. Take a little peek at Monday Night Football as well. This football season has been extremely different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. At BD Peacock on Twitter is where you can find me, the scout, Matt Williamson, at Williamson NFL. And some playoff pictures getting clearer, some of them getting muddier, Matt, for some teams. But I want to start with some games that we picked on this uh, NFL Sunday. And let's start with probably the game of the week, the one that was going to have the, the biggest implications for teams trying to get that playoff by in both the AFC and the NFC. And uh, I had a push in my selection of the Chiefs giving up three points against the Saints, 32-29, the final there, Kansas City over New Orleans. Yeah, and did it live up to the hype? I mean, I guess that doesn't matter, but Drew Brees looked like he came back, you know, a a week too early. But they started to put it together, certainly, in the second half, you know, New Orleans did. And, you know, the Saints were really depleted. Uh, uh, no, No Michael Thomas, Traquan Smith gets hurt in this game. And the Chiefs held the ball for over 41 minutes of this game, too. But Kansas City only uh, only averaged 4.5 yards per play, you know, despite holding the ball that long. That's a very low number. So I give the Saints defense an awful lot of credit. And then late in the game, you lose Clyde Edwards-Hilaire with it came out today. It's a high ankle sprain. Boy, one thing has shown us this year, high ankle sprains, they go ask Michael Thomas, are not quick heels. No, and it seems like there's been a lot more high ankles being sprained this year, too. Or maybe I'm just paying more attention to that kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, it, it didn't live up to the hype as far as the game itself, no. But it, it was the game of the week as far as the teams that were coming into the year. Um, I thought there was going to be a lot bigger influence of Alvin Kamara in this game with Drew Brees yes. back. Uh, he did get that one touchdown reception that made up for everything for fantasy owners, but I thought that was going to be a bigger a situation there. Um, Emmanuel Sanders had four catches. There was just nothing that, and I'm actually kind of surprised that New Orleans got to 29 points because there was nothing on offense that they could really hang their hat on, it seemed like. And you're right, Breeze came back too early. Yeah, it sure felt that way. And he seemed to get better as the game went on. And I do think there was some sort of um, press conference after where he basically said, yeah, I'm still hurting, you know. But uh, I guess you want to get him a couple games before the playoffs. You think there's a pretty decent chance these teams meet again? I mean, the Saints D, I have a lot of faith in, and I got no problem with putting Kansas City atop the power ranks, but they don't beat anyone handily anymore. They just kind of get by at the end. You know, I mean, it's, really strange, it's always yeah. in control, but they don't blow anybody out. Right, but they're never in danger, really. Right, either. Weird. so uh, I would still put KC at one, and I had Kansas sure. City, New Orleans as my Super Bowl teams to start the year, so I guess I'll stick with it, but Breeze has to be healthy and playing well, and they need to get Michael Thomas back for that to happen. So the Chiefs in control of the number one playoff seed in the AFC now at 13-1, and one. New Orleans at 10-4. and Going to have a tough time overtaking the Packers there, but uh, obviously are punching their ticket to the playoffs. So get healthy, 
Saints, which is the opposite of what they were trying to do. They're pushing Breeze out there too early. So I still don't understand that. I guess they're trying to play for that playoff seed, but he still had a couple weeks if he missed one more to get ready for the playoffs. I don't think he needed more than one game to get ready for the playoffs anyway. So don't like the, I think it was a bad call, bringing him back too soon, clearly too soon, but we'll see if it does end up paying off for the New Orleans Saints, who are now 10 and 4. Let's go to one of your picks, and this was supposed to be a primetime game. It got flexed out. Ended up being somewhat fun because of the score, but just a weird game for a weird season for both these teams. That was the 49ers at Cowboys. Both teams now 5-9 and nine on the season. Cowboys winning this one 41-33. Really weird uh, scene at the end of the game where CeeDee Lamb returns an onside kick for a touchdown. Then the Niners come back with the ball. Can't win the game. Can't tie the game, but hit a Hail Mary uh, with C.J. Beathard in there connecting with Kendrick Bourne for another score. So two extra touchdowns that were sort of garbage time scores, but it's just a really weird game with weird teams, Cowboys over the 49ers. Yeah, and you're right. There's some strange turns of events at the end of the game, which maybe yeah, if you just looked at the box score, you'd think it was a little bit different style of game than it really was. But the Niners had the ball a great deal in this game. Um it, but four turnovers. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. you, you, you're you more doubting than me, but boy, it sure seemed like that was the story of the game. I mean, why did you lose? Well, turn the ball over four times. And, <laughs> yep. um, you know, they got some quarterback issues, obviously, at the moment. They've lost three in a row. They've lost six of their last seven. And I'm reluctant to say Dallas is playing better, but they're definitely playing better than their, their worst days, you know, a month or two ago. They are. They are. Yeah. And with 49ers, it's probably, you know, it feels like Groundhog's Day for their defense because their defense plays pretty well every week and keeps them in it until the offense just makes it so the defense can't do that anymore. Last week against Washington, <laughs> yeah. it was two or was a pick six and a fumbled return for a touchdown. So the defense from Washington literally scored two touchdowns in this. It was four turnovers leading to 24 points on a really short field for that Cowboys offense that hurt the Niners defense. And yeah, they, the, the, there's not getting good quarterback play. The 49ers are there. There are too many turnovers and Kyle Shanahan's been stressing it. And again, four more turnovers leading to points for Dallas by the 49ers offense. So that's, what's been going on in San Francisco. Same stories last week, same stories the week before that. Yeah. And it was more off season talk, but I think the Niners are a really dangerous, exciting team for next year. It was not their year. Amazingly, Dallas is still in it though. They get they get a win and the rest of the division struggles, so they're still afloat in the East. The game that was in prime time that got flexed in was Browns over Giants, and it still boggles my mind that Browns Giants was a primetime game over 49ers Cowboys, and, and it was kind of a snoozer of a game. So I don't know, maybe Niners Cowboys would have been more fun for the fans watching on Sunday night football. But uh, I got this one right in my picks, so a push and a and a correct pick so far for me, Browns blowing out the, not really blowing them out because they weren't really uh, doing much on offense either, but 20 to six, the final score here, Browns uh, 10 and four now beating the five and nine Giants. Yeah, a couple takeaways. I mean, first of all, the Giants were without Bradbury in their top corner, and I thought that was a problem. They had a re- they spelled it out better on the air than I can, but they, they, they really had a really crazy COVID-filled um, distraction week of prep for the Giants for this game, too. And, you know, Daniel Jones wasn't out there. Colt McCoy was fine, but, you know, whatever. Um, but I thought it was interesting that, well, a couple things. First of all, the getting, leaving points on the field for the Giants. You're down there near the goal line, and I'm all for being aggressive. But in a 0-0 game, 
you have a punter throw a pass on a fake punt to an offensive lineman to try to score <laughs> points. That that's your fourth down call. Like, come on. Uh, I mean, and then they blew. They left points on the field shortly after. But I thought it was interesting because we've seen this a couple times from the Browns in the last month or so, where they kind of zig and make it a very pass heavy script when everyone's playing run against them and no Bradbury in there, good run defense. They come out and they show they can play, you know, not the way they're designed to. And Mayfield's playing a lot better. Mayfield definitely playing a lot better. Uh, Chubb not helping people in the fantasy playoffs all that much in this game. And yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting team. And, and I think they're well coached. And so the, the more people yeah. talk about Stefanski getting coach of the year award, I think I'm on board with that. I don't know if I would give him the award, but absolutely one of the top couple of candidates just you know every week there's something impressive about the way the Browns are playing that is different than the way they were playing before and you got to point to the head coach yeah I mean every week I keep thinking they're going to fall back and they don't and and I put out my power ranks and man they were the team I got drilled on this week because I had them at 12 but I couldn't quite put them over teams like the Colts and Seattle and the Rams I know we'll get to them and Tennessee who they beat but they're right in that neighborhood. Um, you know, I think things are going really, really well for the Browns. But I don't know. I, I have some questions about their defense, and I just don't think the Giants were able to exploit right. it. No, I totally agree with that. And, and you're splitting hair with, with some of those teams. you got to rank them right. somehow, but they're, there's essentially a pack of teams that are, that are kind of tied there, right? And without question. It's not like, boy, they're so much worse than those teams I mentioned. I think they're all about the same. All right. A huge shakeup in the NFL draft, Matt, at the top of the wow. draft order. We'll get to that next and a whole bunch more Sunday action to cover right here on the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. This episode is brought to you by 1010. Now, you may have read about this in the New York Times or Forbes, and we're excited to tell you about it. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful commitment ring launching exclusively on January 18th at BlueNile.com. And when they're gone, they're gone. We all know that the diamond engagement ring is iconic. It's a timeless expression of the deepest commitment between two people. And with 1010, it's been beautifully re-envisioned in the hands of 10 modern designers working exclusively with sustainably sourced diamonds. If you're making 2021 plans or looking for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate Valentine's Day, you're definitely going to want to check this out. Again, this exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launches on January 18th, and you can preview it exclusively at BlueNile.com. We got to get to this one, Matt. 23-20, the New York Jets have won a football game, beating the playoff-bound Los Angeles Rams. 23-20, what happened? How could this possibly be? How could this possibly be that they would go and do something like this with three games left in the season? Jets fans are pulling their hair out over there in New York. Yeah, I I, I need to do more research on this, but it just, I, I don't mean to sell the Jets short. And it, it really wasn't like, boy, the Rams played so bad. They just gave the ball away. They only turned the ball over once and, just started very, very slow. And I, I rarely use things like rusty or flat or overlook the opponent. But, man, the, the Rams really started slow. Only scored three points at halftime. And, you know, they had 34 minutes of time possession. Only turned the ball over once. You'd think, 
okay, you know, they, they moved the ball pretty, you would move the ball pretty well, but they were only two of 11 on third downs and just couldn't convert when in the money situations. And that was enough. And as you said, now the Jags have the first overall pick. I mean, this might be the most costly win in Jets history. And, and it goes to show all these guys, Frank Gore and company, they try to win every week, folks. I mean, oh, anyone yeah. doesn't think that is nuts. Yeah, Frank Gore is playing his butt off in this game, had the touchdown run. He only averaged 2.6 yards per carry, but they rode him heavily, 23 carries in this game. He's a pass protector as well. Uh, so, you know, that's... That's who they had. That's who they went with in this game with Frank Gore back there. Frank Gore, by the way, might retire now because earlier in the season, do you remember his comments about how he said, I can't go out with an 0-16 team. So he helped them win this game. Uh, maybe that allows him to retire now because he did get the W with the Jets this year. And the the young defense in New York playing a little bit better. It, it, I think it was a yes. little bit of the Jared Goff and the Rams offense not playing great, but some some nice signs, some some players showing up. Uh, rookie fifth rounder Bryce Hall had a nice interception in this game, his first interception of his career for the Jets defense. I think he's going to be a long-term starter at cornerback. Uh, a sack and a tackle for loss and, and another quarterback hit for Quinnen Williams inside. And then Marcus May kind of sealed the win with his big play in coverage uh, at the end of the game there, and he's a nice do-it-all safety for the Jets, who's a free agent coming up, by the way. So they, they that's one player they're going to want to have to keep around for this rebuild is Marcus May. Yeah, and we all give Greg Williams. Well, I guess he's gone, but, um, you know, we laugh at this team. But these young guys get the opportunity to play, you know, sometimes by default. You find some diamonds in the rough, and their best defensive player, Quinton Williams, actually left this game. He was highly disruptive before he left. And I also want to give Sam Darnold a little bit of call out too. I thought Sam Darnold played pretty darn well. Um, maybe he's getting better. Maybe he's turning a corner. I don't know. I mean, it's one game. Let's not overreact too much. Right, yeah. But <laughs> how much do you hold it against the Rams? Like, a lot, a lot. The, the Rams played bad. And even still yeah. in the fourth quarter, everyone watching this game thought, oh, okay, it's going to happen eventually where the Rams are going to get over that 23 points and and uh, the Jets had stopped scoring and it was going to happen. They were going to come back and win it, and it just it just never happened because we've seen that script happen a few times with the Jets getting some early leads in games and then blowing it, and it just did not happen in this game. And I would no. I would blame more on the Jets or the, the Rams playing bad than the Jets going out and playing you know great, but they, they weren't terrible. Right, but I still think the Rams are a contender. Obviously, this is the low light of their season. I don't know that they're a disaster or anything like that. I mean, one game, sometimes you have to look, throw a three. Sometimes you look at a 16 game schedule and you should probably throw out their worst game and their best game. And then that's kind of what the team really is throughout the year. And this would be that worst game to throw out for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Cam Akers, too, hurt me with on the, in my fantasy playoffs. That was a tough one that he didn't get anything going in this game. Yeah. I, I think he's really legit, though. I mean, he's, oh, absolutely. it's his job, and he looks impressive, but the numbers weren't there. Unbelievable, though. Uh, the Jets no longer would hold the number one pick of the NFL draft if the season ended today because of tiebreakers. The 1-13 Jaguars would pick number one overall. That could change things dramatically with uh, Trevor Lawrence most likely being the overwhelming favorite to be the number one pick in the draft and potentially a generational-type quarterback prospect. So we'll see what... Uh, happens the last couple of weeks with these two teams, but it's going to be Jaguars or Jets most likely. And then unless they both win out, then who knows? Maybe the Bengals will end up with the number one pick in the draft. But uh, I don't see that happening. Let's talk about those Jaguars who now hold the number one pick in the draft. Got blown out in Baltimore by the Ravens, 40-14. I don't know if there's much to say about this game except for uh, a good team that's starting to play a lot better heading toward the playoffs and trying to fight for a playoff spot. 
starting to play a lot better and beating up on a bad team. Yeah, it destroyed them. I, I mean, I really think the Ravens are the perfect example of that cliche. This is a team nobody wants to see in the playoffs. And right now they're not even in. So they need a little bit of help to get in. But I also am a little hesitant because besides the Browns game, they haven't really played anybody and they finished the season against a pretty easy slate. So I think they are figuring things out. I have immense respect for the Ravens organization and even their quote downtimes, they were going through a lot of COVID stuff and injury stuff and had a really tough slate of games. So I never really thought they were as quote bad as people thought they were. But I also wonder if they're quite as good as people are going to think they are. That's a good question. Yeah, it's hard to monitor because you want to see them play great against a good team. And that Browns game last week was, uh, I think, some sign that they can you know, beat some good teams that are going to be uh, in the playoffs. So that's a good sign. But yeah, it doesn't tell you that much that they're beating up on the Jaguars. Des Bryant, by the way, getting his first touchdown yeah, uh, reception since, what, 2017? Yeah, and it's crazy, though. I mean, they kind of just need a legit chain mover type receiver yeah they've needed that style of receiver for a while so maybe they got it who knows des bryant something to you know entertain at least <laughs> yeah absolutely uh, <laughs> a whole bunch of players getting carries in the backfield lamar jackson t- carrying it 10 times jk dobbins 14 times gus edwards nine times and uh, a player that I-, I didn't really know existed before this this season started tyler huntley carrying the ball four times without Ingram in there, and uh, on the other side, Minshew. He's, the, back- he's the, re- the quarterback that replaced Lamar for the, to finish the game out. I'd never heard of him either, but he's kind of an athletic Lamar, Michelob Light version. Yeah, I guess they wanted to get him some snaps, right? To um, well, McSorley's hurt, and yeah, Griffin's McSorley's hurt, out. so he was a practice squad guy, and he's a backup. And Tyler Huntley action. did complete two passes, two of four for seven yards, uh, averaging one point eight yards per <laughs> per attempt there. So just some short stuff, and and get him acclimated to a football game, I guess. So very interesting yeah. move there by Baltimore, trying to develop another backup for Lamar Jackson down the stretch. And okay. they certainly are dangerous. I, I don't mean to think the opposite. I mean yes. they could they could go to Kansas City and win. Yeah, I mean they're a, a scary team. How about this game, Matt, that uh, was uh, down to the wire, completely down to the wire. The Cardinals holding on, though, and, and really helping their case in the playoffs at 8-6 and six now to get that eight, uh, that seven seed in the NFC, 33-26 over the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, I thought this was probably the most fun game of the day. I mean, first of all, I think Murray is back and is highly productive, you know, I mean, over 400 yards through the air, uh, contributed with his feet again, 169 of that went to DeAndre Hopkins and wow, you know, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins had some wow moments in this one and I'm not a Hurts guy, but this was a step in the right direction again. So it's been a pretty good defense. So, I mean, 338 passing yards for Jalen Hurts and another 63 on the ground. I mean, I thought it was kind of fun that the, last two Oklahoma quarterbacks do battle early in their career like this. And, um, you know, the Eagles lose, but it was down to the wire. Like you said, a very, very fun game. Yeah. Eagles showing signs and more and more evidence yeah. pointing to Hertz being the guy going forward. And the thing that jumps out to me with Jalen Hertz is uh, he's a pro and it, it, you can really see it in a player who's played a ton of big time college football, played it in a ton of big games like he passes that first test of well first of all because you know sometimes it's it's not this way rookie quarterback jumps in there it's not too big for him he's cool with it like he is cool as a cucumber 
One play that really jumps out to me in the fourth quarter, he got hit, fumbled the ball, got away, picked the ball back up, and still found a receiver, completed a pass for a first down to uh, Dallas Goddard on the sideline. And it was like, it was like, yeah, no big deal. I'm just going to pick up the ball. No hesitation at all. And so no. I love seeing that from Jalen Hurts. And I think in this one, throwing the ball, it looked a lot better. You know, three touchdown passes, 338 yards throwing. So as he continues to get better doing that, uh, could still get more efficient throwing the ball. But, you know, arm strength's fine. Um, the way he's leading the team, I think, is is a great sign. He, he can obviously run the ball quite a bit. So uh, And played against a, a team that's heading to the playoffs, a, a good opponent in a tight game. Uh, I liked everything I saw from Jalen Hurts. And so stock definitely up there for me on Wednesday. Yeah, I, I frankly expected somewhat of a crash down to earth, and that wasn't at all the case. He took a big step forward, and you said it well, and I thought this after his first start. He he passes that test of looking like he belongs and cool and calm and players responding to him. He's an NFL quarterback. You know, like you can almost just yeah. see right away with some of these guys. Like, yep, yep. That doesn't mean he's going to the Hall of Fame, but I mean, it's like, oh, boy, yeah, he, he belongs. It was fun watching these two quarterbacks because both of them have such a nice little natural delivery too, the way they throw the ball around and, yeah. and Kyler Murray's always had that but Jalen Hurts I sort of forgot and maybe I didn't give enough credit for just his pure arm and his pure talent like he throws a, a nice ball I like the way he slings it yeah and Arizona's in the hunt and Kyler Murray's very dangerous and uh heck of a catch by my man Larry too I wonder you know if you saw that touchdown <laughs> yeah, but I did first that. I, I heard this today that Kyler throwing that touchdown to Larry is the biggest discrepancy in age from quarterback to receiver in NFL history. Wow. Okay. I would have thought yeah, Jerry Rice would have had something to do with that. Yeah, good point. Playing Maybe into his forties. He had uh I, I so I came up with this stat the other day because there was some absurd comments from Randy Moss. I don't know if you saw this and, and Twitter went crazy, especially 49ers Twitter that I am plugged in with. Randy Moss talking about how he was the greatest receiver of all time and Jerry Rice was third or fourth or something like that. Mm. <laughs> and it got people fired up. Um but I bet. Imagine this. Imagine Larry Fitzgerald in the year 2023 having a season where he caught 92 balls for 1,200 yards and seven touchdowns because that's what Jerry Rice Is did. Is that the that equivalent? Age. Yeah, wow. Jerry Rice at age 40 had that stat line with Oakland in a, in a Super Bowl season. And uh, that puts it into perspective with what the aging Larry Fitzgerald, who's awesome and has a crazy career and has played forever, in the year 2023, if he's catching 92 balls for 1,211 yards, that's what Jerry Rice was doing. Just unreal. And that's probably Jerry's 14th best season of his career. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, he had his best season of his career uh, in, in when he was age 33 when when Randy Moss was washed up and uh, 1,800 yards more than amazing. Randy Moss yeah. ever had in a season. So uh, just an insane player, an insane career when you, when you put it in context with what other players did. And that's why he's so far out in front with all these records. Even in this passing era, there's nobody that's, uh, that's going to catch him. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I even fall into this trap a little bit with Rice because he was with a couple teams late in his career, you know, the the Broncos and Seattle version and yeah. Raiders version where the, the jersey never quite looked right on no. him. And I sometimes lump him into those dudes like kind of like Frank Gore lately where he's kind of hanging on, you know, but he's not a great player, but he was still a great player. He was still contributing contributing hugely to some yeah. teams at that age. Not really with the Seahawks. And I and I think some young people grow up looking watching those games and seeing a little bit slower version of Jerry Rice with like receding hairline, uh wearing a Seahawks uniform. Like I wouldn't think that guy was the greatest 
player of all time either. But, you know, the Flash right. 80, 80s and 90s, I mean, he had two separate Hall of Fame careers. If you separate his, um, you know, his his 30s from his 20s, it's pretty amazing what he did in, in his career. Wow. And you have to you have yeah. to go back and watch the highlights and see, oh, yeah, that dude ran away from guys and, and he was fast, fast back in the day, too. Consistent as could be. Dude. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. More Peacock and Williamson will finish up all these Sunday games. Take a peek at Monday Night Football next. We talk a lot about the lines for various games on this show and excited to bring on board Bet Online, our official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. And things are getting down to it. Things are getting down to the nitty gritty when it comes to the NFL season, college football, bowl season, tons of great games to bet on. There is only one place that has you covered, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. College football games heading into bowl season, and there are some big matchups in the NFL these last two weekends, and of course, heading into the playoffs. Find the best betting lines and props at betonline.ag. Win yourself a little bit of money. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use promo code locked on to receive. A 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports experts. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner at betonline underscore AG on Twitter to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and use promo code locked on for your sign up bonus. Betonline.ag. You know what we haven't talked about yet is those Saturday football games, Matt. Bills at Broncos. Uh, the Bills doing a number on those Broncos, and you you thought maybe the Broncos at home were going to hang on in this one. You picked the Broncos side. Nice pick, by the way, with that Cardinals game. Six and a half was the line. They won by seven, so that was a big W for you. But you took the L on this one. Uh, Bills at Broncos, 48-19. Josh Allen doing a number on some people in the fantasy playoffs. If you had Josh Allen, you're probably advancing to the finals this week. Yeah, I, I don't have much to say on this one except for I... My bet logic was in Denver, maybe the Bills have a little letdown after a huge game. Even if they get up heavy, usually the Broncos come back sort of in garbage time. Buffalo's really good. <laughs> I mean, that's that's basically the bottom line here. Allen's a stud and developing by the week. Their defense is getting a little better. Yes, I mean, yes. that, that's, I think, is the key here to... Maybe a knocking off the Chiefs type run. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. This might be the team right now. If I had to choose one, this would be the team I would pit up against the Chiefs and say this is the team that could knock them off with the way they're playing. And two touchdown passes, two rushing touchdowns for Josh Allen in this game. Stephon Diggs, 11 catches, 147 yards, another 100 yards for Cole Beasley. So, I mean, just clicking on offense in the passing game. They ran the ball well in this game, which was another huge boost. So defense, offense, Quarterback, special teams, uh, Bills playing good ball, and and Denver just didn't have any answers for that. No, I, I mean, pretty rough day for Denver. They made too many mistakes, and and they had some decent moments, but all in all, I mean, Denver's defense had a really long day. Denver's offense had a really long day. The Bills averaged eight point two yards per play. The Broncos averaged four yards a play. I mean, wow. Move on to the Packers, who beat the Panthers twenty four sixteen. Uh, I believe the line was eight too, so that was a push game. And this is this is one sort of last minute that we that we really liked to pick the Packers, and so we would not have won that bet. So it's a good thing we didn't put it in our six pack. Um, but the Packers showing out, they didn't put on the gas pedal in the second half or anything like that. But they did hold on, beat the Panthers, still with that one seed in the NFC at eleven and three. 
24-16 the final. Yeah, and many times last week I said, boy, there's three garbage teams and Jets end up winning. And then Carolina and Houston are right be- right above those. Well, I was wrong. I mean, these the Panthers and Houston are better than that. They can hang with some good teams. Carolina's, what, they've lost, where is this at here? Eight out of the last nine. But almost all those are one-score games. They hang around. I think that it's a really good reflection of the coaching staff. Kind of reminds me of Miami last year where, I mean, they're undermanned, but they hang with good teams and make it close and never say die. Green Bay was in control from the beginning, but they weren't impressive at all in the second half. No, they were not. They didn't need to be, though. Here's what's interesting with this uh, Panthers organization is they have a a first-year head coach, but now they just fired their general manager, Marty Herney, which doesn't add up. It seems like odd timing. You'd want to bring in a GM with a new coach, wouldn't you? Or did they they trusted Herney to help find the coach, but uh, does Herney maybe want to go join his buddy in Washington who's looking for a GM now? In Ron Rivera, Maybe so uh, I don't know. That was just odd timing mid-season to fire a GM during the first year of a head coach. Yeah, I mean, maybe there is more to that story because it just kind of broke. I didn't really give it a lot of thought yet. Uh, maybe he wants out as a foregone conclusion. He His job was done in Carolina, and that's what he was kept on to do, get this, this, this uh, coaching staff and everything in place. And then I guess it gives us the, Pan- it gives the Panthers enough time to find the next decision maker well before free agency and the draft. I mean, I guess I kind of get it, but um, it seems like there should be a little more to this story. Probably find out a lot more about that, especially if Ernie uh, gets hired quickly by Washington. Let's move along to a comeback win for Tom Brady, who loves to do this to those Atlanta Falcons 31 27 after uh, being down early in this game. And what uh, two touchdown passes for Tom Brady there was, uh, I thought there was another late touchdown. I don't see who scored that touchdown anyway. But uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beating the Atlanta Falcons 31-27. Yeah, I mean, really a tale of two halves for Tampa Bay. They looked very slow, very rusty to begin with. Uh, they seem to play again in Week 17. I think that's interesting. But Tampa scored 31 points in the second half, and Brady ended up with you know 390 passing yards after not looking good to begin with. And, you know, Atlanta, we laugh at them. They lose leads, and there's very much something to that. But they have no running game. Like, when you have a lead, it'd be nice to be able to run the ball a little. They got to work on that this offseason. It's amazing. Yeah, Todd Gurley only carried the ball one time for negative one yards. That's uh, that's where Todd Gurley's at right now in his career. They're running out there with with Ito Smith as their best running back. Uh, Three touchdown passes, though, for 356 yards for Matt Ryan. A lot of that going to... Calvin Ridley, 10 catches for 160. And those two were good. And a score, and that is a very nice connection there. And the first touchdown pass to Antonio Brown for Tom Brady. He had five catches for 93 yards in that 46-yard score. I think Brown's starting to settle in a little more, starting to look like himself, demand the football a little bit. Atlanta is a team I don't think – I mean, this is an off-season conversation, but I wouldn't be super psyched about taking that team over. I mean, and I'm not exactly sure where Tampa is either. Could they – really put a run together and be the best team in the NFC or are they fragile like they looked in the first half? Yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, that That yeah. is a conversation for a later date, but with the Falcons, uh, you almost have to try to win now with that roster. And yeah. and I don't know if that's going to go great because you might just sort of kick the can down the road and then eventually have to tear it down and rebuild. And if you're a coach that 
goes eight and eight in year one, then has to tear down, rebuild in year two and three. Now you're going to get fired after being bad after your third season, right? So that that doesn't look like a great situation to be jumping into in Atlanta. No, I mean, you're kind of glued to Ryan and Jones, Julio Mm -hmm. and Ryan has not been good much of the year, but he's also under a lot of pressure and the running game. Like, I don't know what approach I would take to taking that game, that team over. You know, another team like that is the Lions with Matthew Stafford. There's been a lot a of bit. heat recently with him potentially being on another football team, and uh, they got beat up on defense in this one. 46-25, the Titans over the Lions. I thought the Titans offense just rolled. I mean, it's obvious. You can look at Derrick Henry, and that's obvious. But Corey Davis, I mean, has really stepped up. A.J. Brown continues to impress. Tannehill, if you just take... His time as a Titan starter from whatever week it was last year until right now, he's not far off. I know this sounds insane, but like Mahomes number wise. I mean, he's one of the top five quarterbacks or so in the league. And if you just erase your misconceptions of Ryan Tannehill before that and just judge him on what he's done as the Titan starter, it's borderline elite. A near-perfect quarterback rating in this one, 145.8, a 21 of 27, 273 yards passing, averaging over 10 yards per throw, three touchdowns. Uh, he had the 75-yarder to Corey Davis, who had a big game. Uh, another touchdown to A.J. Brown in the red zone. Darrington Evans, the rookie running back, finally getting a little bit of run here in this game as well. Carried the ball eight times, returning some kicks, a couple of receptions too. He's been on IR for a long time, a player I really liked, and a perfect lightning for Derrick Henry's Thunder. So that's an extra boost if they get him back finally, and he's actually a good player for that playoff run, just to give teams another look at running back. Yeah, and a lot of that was late. You know, they had this game well in control, and why are we going to get Henry banged up? But I like the the Evans pick, Darrington Evans pick. Um, very different, but he is a little bit of a straight-line guy like Henry. He sees a crease and attacks it with speed, just not power and size. But he is much more the lightning to the Thunder and they should certainly consider lightening Henry's load. I think this team's pretty good. I, I don't trust the Titans' D at all, and and obviously that Lions' defense is pretty bad, but the Titans' offense can hang with anybody. A couple of touchdown runs for Lions rookie DeAndre Swift. Uh, the big story to me for Detroit here was Stafford after the game talking about uh, playing through some injury, and he said, if I can go out there, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to fight with my guys. I'm going to fight with my teammates. Very um, you know, a very a leader-like statement he made to go out there, clearly hurt still, and try to play with his team and try to win a game and, and try to fight with his teammates. So I thought that was a pretty cool comment he made after the game and, and knowing that he's not 100%. Yeah, and that's obvious. And when the game was out of hand, they pulled him out for Chase Daniel, smart. You know, I mean, you don't want the guy to get beat up. And what's a little different about him, first of all, I'd rather have him than Matt Ryan, but his his contract's a little more tradable. So yes. I think he's a commodity. I mean, oh, he, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, the lions could blow it up and I've heard a lot. So the, it, what's weird is these rumors we're hearing about, Oh, the lions are ready to move on from Matthew Stafford. They don't have a GM. Who's making that call? That, that can't <laughs> be a real thing, on? right? So, a coach or a GM. Right. When they sign a GM, then we'll find out what that plan of action is. You either can get a nice pick for him and you want to completely rebuild that thing and trade Matthew Stafford or the coach that gets hired there says, oh, cool, you have a good quarterback already. That's why I want this job. And they want to build around him and try to fix that defense. So there, there's a, there's two obvious ways that that could go in Detroit this offseason. Yeah, I don't think Mrs. Ford has made that decision. No, yet, absolutely you know? not. And, and he's probably right. making her money, right? He's selling jerseys, so why would you want to get rid of that if you don't have to? Right, but if you could get a quality... St- 
both approaches would be fine with me at this team. Okay, we're going to run it back with him. He's going to be our quarterback for five years, build around him, or trade him off, start from scratch, get a lot in return, and dolphin it up and get a lot of picks. A lot more to talk about with Lions and Matthew Stafford. Let's move on to the Colts and Texans and AFC South showdown. The Colts holding serve, beating Houston at 27-20. Yeah, and I thought this was a pretty good showing. I mentioned that Houston's better than I thought, you know, and David Johnson was catching balls. Uh, Deshaun Watson was as good as ever. They lost the turnover battle, and that was a pretty much you know the difference in what I thought was a really even game. I mean, I felt like the Colts and Houston, and you see this in division, that no one was clearly the better team on that particular day. Colts won the turnover battle. That helped. Um, I look at the Colts and kind of think they don't have a lot of glaring strengths, but they don't really have noticeable weaknesses yeah. either. They can run. They can throw. Their defense is solid. You know, good lines. And your boy, oh, your boy DeForest Buckner was a superstar in this one, by the oh, way. Oh, man, it's it's such a huge difference. A couple, a couple weeks ago against, what was it, the Titans when he didn't play and they just got right. crushed inside. And he's not the run-stuffing type. He's more of a linear defensive tackle. But it's night and day when he's in there and when he's not. And he had a couple sacks, and he was, he's been a monster for them this season. And yeah, they gave up a lot of money and a first-round pick to get him, and he's kind of paying off. And I thought, man, that, that oh, is a lot to give up for this player, but he's playing at that star level right now for that Colts defense. Absolutely. And here's so two completely different styles, the way they're playing in, in teams right now. Who would you pick? Who would be favorite between the Colts and the Ravens? Because the Colts are playing steady. The Ravens have been uh, you know up and down. It could go either direction. You don't know which Ravens team you're going to see. Yeah, and it, it's interesting. I'm working on a little bit of a project for AFC, the, the teams in the AFC playoffs, and this isn't exactly what you asked, but I'm not sure what kind of team, if I'm the Colts, that I really want to see or I really don't want to see. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, obviously a good run stuffing team, which the Colts are, gives Baltimore trouble. You know, I mean, Baltimore has obvious strengths and weaknesses. They play a lot of man coverage. Where the Colts, I think, can kind of play it any way you want. And part of me thinks that's really good, but part of me thinks when they play a team with a great strength, they're going to be missing their superpower. If it comes down to, okay, now let's go win a game, the Colts, do they have that extra juice? Or is a team mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, Lamar, who has an X, or a team like Baltimore, has an X factor like Lamar, able to go down and make plays on his own to, to win the game, like we saw him do against the Browns on Monday Night Football? Right. I mean, lack star power but they kind of lack a superpower and no i see what you mean yeah you know what i mean yep no i totally understand what you mean all right we got a whole bunch more games still to get to you so let's run through these we had the dolphins that beat the patriots and it was the under that that was the the thing i liked in this game was the under i didn't really like the line too much although i would have gone dolphins as i mentioned friday and uh i love these dolphins man i like this dolphins team it's hard to bet against them right now 22 12 brian flores beating the master in bill belichick in this game, and the Dolphins at 9-5 and five looking good for their playoff chances here uh, in the AFC. Yeah, and again, the under just screamed at you, no matter what the number was. You know, just go under. There's not going to be many points in this thing. And New England only had the ball for 22 minutes. I mean, that's amazing to me. Um, they didn't have Gasecki, Jakeem Grant, or Devontae Parker in this game. And Tua didn't do much. I mean, he, he, he only threw for 145 yards. But I did not see it coming that Miami could win a game on the ground. I mean, frankly, they've been about as bad of a running game as there is in the league. They've shuffled through all kinds of 
you know, no name backs. They have a bad line. <laughs> they run for 250 yards yeah. against the Patriots. There was the no name defense. This is the no name offense. Salvan yeah. Ahmed, uh, an undrafted free agent that that I think Miami was the second or third training camp he was even in this year. Um, and Matt Breida working in there with 12 carries. And yeah, they absolutely won this game on the ground. And and they they gained six yards per carry on that New England defense and Tua not needing to do a lot and he didn't do a lot he threw an interception no touchdown passes uh, only 145 yards through the air they absolutely won this game on the ground and played solid defense yeah and the Patriots aren't going to be in the playoffs I mean that's amazing that is pretty amazing yep that is amazing and the roster wise every time you you see it you're like gosh dang they got nothing they got cam and that is it I don't even know how to judge Cam off this year. That's that's a great point, right? And right. another team is going to have to figure some things out at quarterback in the offseason. Yeah, that, that, I can't he's wait. done some good things, but I think he's thrown for like eight touchdowns this year. <laughs> it's awful. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty bad numbers wise. So when we when we do those series of podcasts with fix fix every team's quarterback, uh, there are going to be a lot of fun ones. And the Patriots is definitely going to be one of those. And and we've heard I've heard from a lot of people on Twitter already that are like, oh, that's a great idea. I can't wait to hear those podcasts you guys do in the offseason. So that will be a lot of fun. We will fix every team in the NFL's quarterback situation. Some some will be a lot easier than others. Oh, yeah. The Bears beating the Vikings. Look out for those pesky Bears and Mitch Trubisky. 33-27. The Vikes not, not looking good for their playoff push now. And those Bears at 7-7, seven and seven, jumping over the top of them in the NFC North. I I, I left the Bears for dead. I mean, I'm not going to deny that. But Minnesota's lost two in a row. Chicago's won two in a row. Trubisky's not bad. I mean, he's making money for himself. I'm not saying he's going to be one of those quarterback fixes. But he's doing some good things. He certainly looks much more comfortable. We probably shouldn't bury some of these early draft pick, quote, busts after just 20 games in the NFL or so. I mean, sometimes people do get better. Montgomery's been effective. They're getting the ball in the people's in the right, in the right hands of their playmakers. I'm not super impressed with the Bears' D anymore. I mean, they, they kind of look worn out to me. And Dalvin Cook had a big game. But the Vikes' D was really bad in this game, too. David Montgomery, big yeah. day, 32 carries, just riding him, 146 yards and a pair of touchdowns there. And, yeah, you mentioned Trubisky. Uh, the The Bears have a pretty good record with Trubisky at quarterback, too, which is something that uh, I didn't realize. And I saw the number, and I don't remember what it is now. Yeah, 28 and 20 in his wow. career as a starter. That's pretty wow. darn good, 5 and 2 that, this year. Yeah. So, um, and I'm not a quarterback wins guy, but that's, you know, and I think you know, everybody so, knows looking at Trubisky, it hasn't been great, even though they have won a lot of games there and a lot of games are won on defense, but it, you can't really bury the guy yet because he's playing that good. I don't think he's played well enough to change your plans though in Chicago, right? Because they've got to do something else at quarterback, no. but I don't know, maybe not. I mean, maybe they regret not picking up his fifth year option. You know, it'd be nice to pay him that kind of money, keep him around, and bring in Cam Newton or whatever, yeah. you know what I mean? Or potentially trade um, him to a team that says, okay, we want to try to, you know, sort of like a Sam Darnold mold where it's like, uh, so maybe some other team can can fix him. And somebody sees him and like, okay, I still like that talent, high draft pick. I think we can do something there. Here's a, here's a draft pick. Right. Or the Bucks or the Steelers or somebody like that that gets another year out of an old guy, sits him on the bench yep. and Jameis Winston's him for a year. That wouldn't be terrible. Or... 
hey, I mean, if Denver can't do any better, I'd gladly open up the training camp convert, you know, battle between him and Drew Locke and see <laughs> yeah. what happens. Or you know what I mean? Yeah, that would uh, that would almost be maddening because it's two of the same guy almost, right? Two of the same type. Where it's like, ah, that Spider Man meme. Yeah, this yeah that would be the Spider Man meme for sure, just because you can't trust him. Yeah. But what if you're the Patriots and and we'll get to all these things? So yeah. someone that has cap space. Trades for Wentz and brings in Trubisky, or trades for Darnold and brings in Trubisky. You know what I mean? Like, right. let's, let's try two things that both had pedigree and hope one works. Have we talked Seahawks Washington yet? No, no, we, we have not. Probably do uh, that this, oh, yeah, actually, this is one of my picks. I had the Seahawks easy in this one, uh, and they didn't put up as many points on offense as I thought they were going to. And uh, I took the L on this one because only five point win for Seattle 2015 over. Washington DK Metcalf got hurt in this game. Uh, there was a, an interception thrown by Russell Wilson, and they sort of took their foot on off the gas offensively. Seattle did in this game, which is why I think they didn't end up covering that. And twelve fourth quarter points from Washington to try to get them a little bit closer, but uh, Seahawks had this one in hand early on. Yeah, they did, and Haston throws for two two ninety seven or two ninety five and. Russell Wilson throws for 121 and some of that's obvious <laughs> game script and you're up and you're trying to eat clock. And I get that, but I didn't think this was a disastrous day for Haskins. There were some bad moments, but there was some good. Another one. I'm not saying it's the same as Trubisky or Darnold or any of these guys, but early draft picks, maybe their career isn't written yet. Logan Thomas, I thought was one of the stories of the game. He just gets better all the time. He's a legit top 10, top 12 tight end. And that's a nice building block they got for nothing that, you know, they don't need a tight end where I thought their tight ends at the beginning of the year were going to be just unbelievably bad. I didn't think this was super impressive by Seattle, but I also think that's just what Washington does. Yeah. When you have that kind of D line, it's just hard to look good against the, the, the football team. Uh, future looks bright for Washington. I, I like the direction they're going under Rivera, get a quarterback in there. And, and see what you end up with. Logan Thomas, by the way, I can take a victory lap finally on Logan Thomas. I remember him coming out of college, and I was like, he's a tight end from day one. And he went to, I believe mm. was it Arizona, tried to make him a quarterback. And he didn't actually become a, a tight end until three years into his career and then didn't really get that yeah. going until four years. I mean, he's been in the league for like six or seven years already. And finally, the vision that I saw, my genius back in whatever that was, 2013, when he came out of the draft. Finally, he is that stud tied in now. Uh, 13 catches for 101 yards there for Logan. Wow, Thomas. I'll take your word for it. That's impressive. Yeah. I, I wasn't uh, following your work back then, but that was a great <laughs> call. Was. And I also Nobody love, was. this is just a side funny thing. It's like not many teams can pull off the, the tight end pass, you know, like flip it to them and yes. then. Because he's got a cannon arm. That's why everybody wanted to still try him at quarterback. Uh, He he, he can chuck the crap out of it. Yeah. Oh, he's got skill. Yeah, but he's got talent. He's a big, strong guy. Yeah, absolutely. Let's see. We've got... uh, Is that everything? I think so. That is Chiefs Cardinals. We've yeah, been known okay. to skip one here and there. It yeah, gets a sometimes we miss them, and I get a, I go I'm out of order and, and do weird things when I'm calling them up. But no, we've got them all covered now. Real quick, Steelers. Your Steelers are playing against the lowly Bengals on Monday Night Football, favored by two touchdowns. Here, how do you see this one going? I think it's a total blowout, and a couple reasons. Steelers are starting to get a little healthier, especially on defense. They finally have a a real week of prep and actually get an extra day. And they were very weary Tomlin on Monday night. They destroyed this team last time they played them, 
But more than any of that, I just think the Bengals are super, super bad. Yeah, I mean, bad. Ryan Finley with no O-line and a terrible defense. I don't care what team they're playing. I think they'd get destroyed almost tonight. I mean, we've the, the Jets have been the laughing stock, but we've seen two out of three weeks now that they've almost won. And they won They won a game this week, and they should have won a game a few weeks ago against the, the Raiders. Uh, I would absolutely pick the Jets over the Bengals right now. Oh, yeah. And even the Jags have played some teams tough lately. You know, like... Since he doesn't is not competitive. The over under is only forty and a half points, so Vegas essentially thinks this is going to be one of those uh, you know twenty twenty four to three games. Uh, I picked it twenty seven to six. Yeah, okay, so not far off there. Yeah, that's kind of the way you see this one going. And uh, let's see if maybe the, eight Steeler sacks. Here's the you know, key like, for me is get, let's see the Steelers get that ground game going, and they'll have plenty of opportunity to pound it in this game probably. I would imagine you're like, I know coaches don't think this way, but the Bengals are so bad that I think the Steeler coaches this week with a long week could be like, let's work on some things. You know, <laughs> right. we're, we're going to win the division. We're in the playoffs. Let's work on some things. Let's work on a deep passing game, an intermediate passing game. Let's work on getting some kind of ground game going. You know, like, don't treat it like preseason, of course, but let's work on some things. And look, that that one seed is still in play with the 11-2 and two Steelers. I know they've yeah. lost a couple of games recently, but all it takes is for the Steelers to win three more games at the end of the year and for the Chiefs to, to lose a game, right? Yes. Who has the tiebreaker between those two teams? Well, I think, no, the Chiefs do. They do? Okay. Yeah, they do, because Steelers losing the Bills it made it probably unlikely. So yeah, I think the Steelers, and to me, this is a, this is something to talk about later in the week. I'm not actually I'm not sure how many shows we'll do this week. The more I think about it, because it's Christmas. Merry Happy Holidays, yeah, to all. Happy Holidays, everybody. We'll be down at least one show this week. Yeah, um, I do think though a lot of Week 17 teams, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Saints. I mean, who knows? Could just rest and be like, I don't care if I'm the two, th- two, three, or four seed. I don't care about going on the road. I'm going to get healthy on week 17. Steelers Bengals Monday Night Football. We'll have it all broken down for you tomorrow and field your questions in our two-minute drill at BD Peacock on Twitter at Williamson NFL. We'll shoot out a tweet for you to reply to if you'd like or just tag us on Twitter with your questions about any team in the NFL. We'll cover all divisions tomorrow right here. Peacock and Williamson.